Hi, you're listening to the Modern Club Management Podcast with me, your host, Ed Chapman. This podcast takes the lived experiences and knowledge of some of the leading figures and thinkers from the world of club management and beyond, all so that they can become your teacher and elevate your performance. Whether you're looking to start a career in club management, are a seasoned club manager at a world-leading club, or work elsewhere within this wonderful industry, there will be powerful messages and key takeaways that can help you in your career or personal life. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Modern Club Management Podcast with me, your host, Ed Chapman. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Mike Braywood and Reese Beecher. After both returning to the UK to start new roles earlier in the year, they decided to write an article on their experiences of the first 90 days, something that is often cited as a key period in a new leadership role. We dive deeper into their experiences, what they would do differently, what worked and what didn't, and some advice for those of you taking on new roles. Reese is the Director of Golf at the Royal Automobile Club in Epsom, England. Prior to this, Reese spent 16 years in the Middle East, most recently in Qatar as the Director of Golf at Education City Golf Club for seven years from 2015. He started his Middle East adventure in Dubai, working for Truon Golf and Imar Hospitality at the Address Montgomery as the Academy Director after being promoted in 2010, following on from a successful four years at the Academy. All this after starting his career at Celtic Manor back in 2005. Reese has attained his Certified Club Manager, CCM, from the Club Management Association of Europe and recently completed a BA in Global Business Management. Reese is a member of the PGA and holds Executive Manager status whilst supporting as a Business Administration Assignment and Examination Marker for the PGA Training Academy. Mike is the CEO of the Brunsfield Lynx Golfing Society in Edinburgh, Scotland, which is the fourth oldest club in the world. Prior to this, Mike has held a variety of roles, including General Manager of Education City Golf Club in Qatar, Director of Education for the Club Management Association of Europe, Operations Director for Braemar Golf, General Manager of Royal Golf Club in Bahrain, which was his first overseas role. This followed on for four years at both Glen Eagles Hotel and Montrose Lynx Golf Courses. Mike, Reese, thank you for joining me today for this Modern Club Management Podcast episode. Mike, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks, Ed. Excellent. Reese, you doing well? Equally, yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Mike, to start with you, why do you do what you do? What is it about the industry and your current role that gets you out of that nice, cosy, warm bed on these cold mornings? It's all I've ever done, really. I think since I was a a young boy playing golf, um, I grew up in the St Andrews area playing golf. It's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to work in, in, in golf. Obviously, when you're a kid, you're keen to play as much as you can and then you're um, I think your ability overtakes your ambition, something like that. You, you certainly realise that that's not going to happen, but that you can still have a firm role 
in in um, in the golfing world. Uh, like a lot of us, we start out teaching golf, which I, I loved, and it was a very transferable skill set. And my bosses saw that um, uh, I had something that I could offer club management and got into that pretty quick. And I just uh, I just love the, the the variety of the role. And no two do no two days are ever the same. And it's just great uh, having the opportunity a to make people happy. They they come to they come to the golf clubs or golf facilities that I've worked at uh, in their own free time uh, to have a good time, and it's my my job to make that happen. And then um, just constantly um, improvement. And I'm a big fan of Kaizen, continuous improvement. And I, I just get hugely motivated that if um, each day you can go into work and make the place just a, a fraction better, um, then over time it's just going to come a better and better place to work and. If you can bring the team along with you, that's even better. But certainly, it's nice when you get some feedback and the members or guests say they've had a good day out or they've enjoyed the experience. Uh, that just gives me a buzz. So that's why I do what I do. Excellent. And Reese, same for you. What stops you hitting that snooze button in the mornings? <laughs> well, other than three kids, three kids, three dogs certainly do that for me. But similar, similar to Mike, I, I really like the diversity. I've been very fortunate in my career so far to um, move from, again, um, operations to teaching back to operations and club management. So I've had sort of a broad spectrum and um, a keen interest in all those different areas and how they impact impact um, various businesses. And I think that, as Mike said, make, making differences, uh, making impacts on a daily basis, that has a that's, a that's a huge buzz. But the big one for me is is the diversity and the the, the two days, you know, each day not being the same, um, different projects on a daily basis. And um, it's something you can get in, get your teeth into. And, um, you know, when you've got a golf course or a big open field outside, it's a good place to take a breather afterwards as well. So um, that beats the sort of the um, the shining, um, shining lights of an office sometimes. So. And then how did you come to the idea of, writing about your experience of the first 90 days how, how did that did that kind of grow organically or was it something you discussed specifically doing Reese, do you want to take that one first yeah sure I mean um, Mike and I have chatted about this we've got sort of a, a passion or a shared passion for sort of um, learning and, and sort of uh, trying to sort of share some of these experiences and um, <clears throat> we sort of discussed whilst we were in Qatar together sort of various white papers that we could write that that might be of interest maybe just to us more than sort of the the listeners or the readers but um you know one was just set centered around the idea that we we sort of got our, our respective roles at similar times um so there was going to be a period where we were going to be both leaving leaving Qatar and then starting in new roles so we wrote the first piece on sort of what that experience was like in in sort of um, looking for roles and and being repatriated back into back into the UK. And then the follow up was very much on how those roles have started because you know they, you know we're going to have different experiences. We've come to different facilities, so we thought that might be sort of something unique that we could write about. And Mike, what was the kind of conversation around? deciding not to read about the first 90 days because there's plenty of books and articles on that. So what was the kind of thinking behind that? I think you can just get sidetracked and um, influenced. Obviously, you read to get influenced and get information. And um, 
I think uh, on, on this occasion, um, I think someone else in, in our sort of peer network had posted something up on LinkedIn saying they just read this book the first 90 days and got their plan ready. And, and we had a, um, a look at that and said, you know, it might be better if we just go in with a clean sheet of paper and say, right, we're not going to get steered by what the books say or what the, the scholars say uh, or the theorists say, go in and just um, see how we go with our own and then agree just to document the the, the steps that were going. And um, I, I was first to jump ship. So I think I was in my role maybe a month or six weeks ahead of Reese, and I had uh, bullet pointed a few headings and then flipped them over to him and said, Reese, this is the sort of direction I'm going. Um, and, and like I said in the article, you, you start off with your plan and you start off with your list of things you want to do, but then that very, very quickly gets sidetracked because uh, the club will want you to do something totally different. And then Reese then quickly followed on with uh, something totally different, very much because I think his club was so different. His, his club's probably 18 times larger from a membership number standpoint of view. So again, you just can't, I, I just don't think you can read something and say, well, I'm going to copy that. I think you've got to, you've got to go in with your own, uh, your own plan. Uh, and so I just didn't want to be heavily influenced by a book that I'd read. Was there anything anything you want to add to that, Reese? First of all, no, I can I completely agree, and I think that's the unique part of it. As Mike said, the um, you know we were we knew we were going to write the article together. So um, if we were go if there was ever a time when you were going to have the exact same first ninety days, that would be it. Um, but <clears throat> the proof is in the outcome. Our, our first ninety days were very different, um, and that's whilst comparing notes along the way. So. Um, as Mike said, you know, two different clubs, um, sort of open-minded approaches um, and then sort of different outcomes, hopefully good outcomes, um, uh, but, uh, but but vastly different. And what did you do, if anything, in the months leading up to starting your role in terms of maybe communication with either boards or management teams? I know you would have had the odd small thing to sort out with moving country, but that is probably an entire conversation in itself on that. Mike, do you want to go for that first? Yeah, um, I had about a, I knew I'd got the job um, about five months before starting it. Um, so you got a lot of um, planning to do. There wasn't a huge amount of dialogue between myself and the, the board, but um, as I got closer to the, the role, um, I sat down with the, the, the captain and he said, this is where he sees some of the priorities. Um, and also then the vice captain, he takes over uh, this March. He then had a, a separate meeting with me where he saw his priorities. There's a really good governance document that uh, Brunsfield's got, and it, it actually lays out some of the, lays out the vision, lays out the principles and lays out the priorities. So they were a very good um, uh, sort of compass for me anyway. And then over, over the years where you work, you kind of um, have your preferences of how you want to go about things and how you feel you can engage the team, uh, how you can en engage with the membership. So I had my mini plan to start off with, uh, to go in with, and um, they're your own sort of personal preference, preferences of how you're going to shape the role uh, going forward. And then pretty quickly, more and more things just get thrown on onto your onto your lists, and and you and you keep uh, tackling them. Uh, but it was it was great to have a, a start out plan. It was great to understand certainly where the the, the club leaders were wanting. Uh, Brunsfield to go initially and then over time um, I'm really now working with the board to shape the 
the, the future going forward. But uh, it, it was really, really beneficial to have those initial conversations plus my own ideas because, again, they want you to come in with some fresh ideas. So you need to come in prepared with some things that you're going to do different that hasn't been done before or maybe has been done but hasn't been done for a while. So they do look for a fresh, fresh approach. Mm. And how about for yourself, Ace? Uh, yeah, again, um, in, a, in a similar perspective, I knew what I was getting into um, primarily from the, the interview process because, you know, the questions you get asked during an interview gives you an idea of where they are as a, as a club. Um, the the Royal Automobile Group Bill Club is, is very structured and organized, uh, as Mike said, and um, there was a big strategic review of golf completed in um, sort of early 2015, and they've been following a, a progression sort of development plan um, as time's been as time's been going, so that's been a that was a a big sort of key to sort of what I needed to do. Um, so I knew the the golf course improving the product was going to be exceptionally important. Um, and on the other side, working with the people that we have, um, the, the sort of the service standards, the delivery of that, the consistency of training that they're receiving, that was sort of the, the second big element. So. I've, I've tried to split sort of my mind into two halves, if you like, and just gone, right, I'm looking at product. So the quality of it, the asset quality, the um, just completing, um, you know, your basics, um, just your, your your property quality inspections and making sure that all these little bits and pieces um, are taken care of. Sort of Mike mentioned prior to sort of what, whilst we were chatting before the podcast started about, um, you know, looking in all this sort of back areas, um, but on a big property, you do have to look everywhere. Otherwise, things just get left unattended to. Um, and then the second half was the people. So, um, yeah, that's been the that's been the two the two big things for me. Just first thing, Mike, I really love the idea of documenting all the changes with videos and photos, especially if you've got a lot of cupboards and things to look in that maybe haven't been looked in so recently. Can you talk in detail a bit about? like how you store that categorize it and what's your vision for how you'll use that to tell a story yeah it's um it's something i like to do and it's a pretty simple process just stand in the middle of a room with your iphone and put on video and just turn in circles and it, it just goes around there you can you can take photographs as well um and then i the files are pretty big, so I think I've just dropped into some uh, a cloud file, Dropbox, uh, and they'll just sit there. Um, but it's it, it's um, it's really um, it, it's good for your own own self worth at the end of a year. Sometimes just to look back and say, "Wow, that that was a busy year." We just get caught up in so much stuff that we um, we, we sometimes forget what's been achieved. So even from an an annual appraisal at the end of the year, or you're speaking to the board about the, the past uh, 12 months, you can reflect back and say, oh, right, we took that on, we did that. And it just, it, it kind of, a lot of things happen seamlessly and a lot of people don't even notice uh, a, a change. And so it's good just to document it. For example, we took a safety fence down at the side of our driving range, which was 50 meters long by eight meters high and put a new one up 60 by 15. And most people won't even know it's changed because they just don't see it. Um, but you've got a photograph and you go, wow, that's changed a lot. But three or four, once you've looked at three or four times, you thought, thought it was always there. And we're going in, we, we've turned our boardroom into 
a swanky new um, Trackman swing studio, and we're about to go on a sort of five-year clubhouse re uh, redecoration, really not re- refurbishment program. And again, it's just useful to have a look at have that documented that's where we were and this is where we've got to and it's also very motivating to show the team at the end of a year and say do you realize it looked like this or it was performing like this look at it now and they can sit back and go wow yeah we've achieved a lot in a short space of time so uh, that's that's why that's why i do it because we've got very very short memories and um our members probably have even shorter memories so it's uh, uh just important to to have the evidence um and and that's why that's why I do that. Uh, Reese, I was curious. You've mentioned in your article about the first thirty days. You're mainly focusing on members, which is obviously when you've got so many to have to learn the names and get to know. And then the second thirty was a bit more on on staff. Kind of how did that look in reality in terms of staff interactions the first thirty days? Because obviously I know you didn't completely ignore them, but how was that balance? And and how did you? How did you come to that decision as well? Um, it was it was just through just um, learning from others and, and and what sort of other club managers sort of said about sort of the industry and um, I think early on I really I settled on the idea that sort of visibility was really important so people need to see you um, even if you're not um, even if you're not doing something sort of um, particularly laborious but you know they see you on the first tee they see you before a competition they see you at the end um they see you in the bar um they see you around just just being there and that that was really important to me early on I was very lucky coming in um the team I've got here are very accomplished the place was you know the place was running as I said in the article it'd been running a long time before me it'll continue doing it after I've gone so um I was very fortunate with that so I had time in those first 30 days to really be everywhere around the club not just to learn members names um, but to actually be seen in the different areas and for my own benefit as well because we all know once we get into our roles um, you know you can get chained to your desk and I've, I've, I have made a conscious effort not to be that person um, and it is hard sometimes when you know you've got deadlines and things you want to get done um, and the you know the team the team are here my, my office door has always been open so we've, we've had sort of continuous discussions and things and you know, like I said, after those first thirty days, it was very much over to um, to focusing on the team and what um, what they needed to do to be successful, um, and sort of putting them in, particularly empowerment and making sure. I've tried to think of myself as an enabler. So if if they want to do something, if there's ideas that they have, I'm trying to make it happen for them rather than sort of putting the brakes on as such. So Mike, one thing you mentioned in your article was the list, which was a YouTube short video, YouTube video that the All England Tennis Club put up. How have you kind of tried to implement that with your team and kind of get them on board with that concept? I guess that matches in a bit with documenting with the photos and videos as well. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that video. I took I, I far too far too often. Um, but I, I, I presented it to the management team here probably in week two um, and, and then just really encouraged them to write their own lists. Um, to be fair, they didn't quite get exactly as I was hoping, but it gave gave some confidence. Some of them were big, big projects. And if, if you watch the list, it's the finite detail going forward. 
But um, as the year has gone on, um, every new staff that's joined uh, the organisation goes through an induction with me and I, I show the list again. I'm encouraging the front of house staff to come up with little suggestions here and there that we can change. Um, and um, so it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. And um, weekly management meetings, more things go onto the list. Um, hopefully some things come off the list from time to time as well. Um, and then it, it come out again at appraisal time, it will be uh, talking on sort of one-to-ones. Where do you want to take your department? How can you continue to improve? Where do we think we need to improve? And this is just now starting to come into just everyday conversation. So it's it's it's, it's more persistence. And it's such a great, I, I would never tire of watching uh, that clip. And it just encapsulates it every time um, that just the, the finest of details make a big difference. And already you get some nice comments coming in from members who see the smaller changes as well, which is which is great. And um, we, we're just sort of quietly going about our business making small changes here and there, some bigger ones, but um, things are getting taken off the list and more and more things are getting added to the list. But um, that, that sort of a trajectory of improvement is, is certainly going on there. I think you've already answered it within that, with the repetition. Is that how you got the team on board at the beginning when you said they didn't quite get it as you'd hoped at the beginning? Was that just a case of keep repetition of the idea or did you try a different angle with them? Uh, no, it was more repetition. Some of the things were just, um, like I said, the, the the video talks about more finer details, the sort of marginal gains, and, and some of the team put some pretty seismic changes on there, which um, are, are, are major capital projects. So they'll they'll they take a bit a bit quicker. But I was looking for some quick wins, mm-hmm. uh, some small wins initially, um, which and we've done a lot of those. Uh, and the bigger th- the bigger stuff will come in due course once board approvals and funding etc. But now um, I- I'm seeing it um, more and more that uh, without even have to ask, you're starting to see just these little quality changes happening and taking place, which is really important. And it'll just, as you say, it'll sort of become the the culture of the team over time. Uh, we we know where we want to go. We we know we want to, to be the best, and we have to keep. Um, improving and adding um, and it's just it's the little small things that can make the big differences so um, the team are very much getting that mm. so you mentioned that about small wins when you first really for both of you to answer this but Mike if you want to go first when you first get there obviously change is scary for people and you've got a new new boss and leader coming in how did you manage that with those kind of the small wins and small changes to get people on board of that idea but without overwhelming them with the change and obviously the big change of the new leader i think one would be lead by example uh two was to be just not afraid of change and i think sometimes very old old clubs traditional clubs are frightened to change or certainly staff are frightened to change anything in case there's a bit of uh, recourse from the membership and such like um but it it, it happened uh, really quickly uh, I, I I didn't deny um, many of the suggestions. So I think the team really enjoyed the fact that they'd come to me and say, I want to do this. And I'd say, great, let's do it. And they, and they were surprised that it could happen that quickly. Uh, the board would give me authority, so I didn't need to go back and, and, and uh, consult. I just communicated and informed of things that were happening. And a lot of things happened um, really, really quickly that gave the team the confidence to be 
happy to come forward with more suggestions. And I would say, yeah, great idea. Let's just do it. So um, it, 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 it more or less happened it's seamlessly. It's now just keeping keeping on top of it. And I think a lot of these things, you just got to be persistent. Uh, it, an idea or a suggestion, one thing at one time is never going to happen. You've got to be out there repetition, 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 reinforcing it, leading by example, and, and then often sometimes correcting and saying, no, that's not quite what we were thinking of. We need to go uh, a slightly different direction to get that result. And for you, Luis? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm listening to Mike with that, but, I, you know, my experience with it, um, you know, again, I had some changes that I wanted to implement sort of early on. Um, that I needed sort of to, to run through run through the committee and you know this is this is my first time um, working in sort of a, a private members club sort of environment again so that that decision making matrix is very different when you move from sort of the the commercial world over to this sort of um, club land as we call it so it's um it is different so um, the first thing was sort of understanding sort of the scope and remit um, and building trust as well and what I found is that you know, when you when you keep doing the right things, the, the, your committees, your boards, they start to trust you more and more, um, and then you get a longer leash. So, as such, I can you know I can I can make decisions much quicker than when you when you first arrive, and that's sort of the natural process. And when you sort of develop trust with anyone, and um, I'm a big believer in keeping lists, as as Mike's well aware of, and mainly because my memory is so poor that I have to I have to keep things written down, but. Um, just by having them there, you keep following up and you keep following up and um, and things and things get things get sorted. Um, and it, the communication, I'll touch on the communication because you know when you've got such a broad membership, you can't you can't sort of um, get in touch with everyone and give everyone a personal message to why you're doing things. So we've had to focus quite hard on um, being very transparent with our communication, which is a little bit new for. Um, for what we've done previously at the club. So um, making sure people are aware when we're doing works on the course and don't be shy to say that uh, a fair way is suffering in one area. What people want to know is what you're doing about it, um, which is what we've tried to be very open about. And that's been really well received so far. Mm. And with that communication, is that through kind of one channel and one medium or have you tried a few different variations on it? We have sort of a, a golf news which goes out um, every Wednesday. Um, it seems to be sort of really well received um, as a medium. Um, obviously, before anything goes in there, I make sure the committee are sort of aware and they get a heads up so that, you know, they get as many questions as I will get um, or the course manager will get or the operations manager will get. So um, making sure they're aware first. And then when it goes in there, sort of painting that picture, uh, making sure that it's um, – it is picture based and not too sort of word driven, um, but that seems to be the best medium. Um, and then you can't you can't beat following that up in person. And the the spike bar the spike bar after a club competition is the best place if you're looking for instant feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, you talked about your professional development interviews with your team. Um, can you talk me through kind of the process you would go through? with with them and how far into starting the new role did you start that process yeah it was about i think uh but three or four weeks before i started um i did the initial link linkedin introductions and then um sent the professional development interview it was very similar questions that you would have in an appraisal um 
a little bit about uh, how they perceive their role, where they see their successes, where they see their strengths, um, where they would like to develop any ideas going forward, um, where do they see themselves sort of in three years' time, what what development do they, do they need, etc. And, and I sent that out and got a very good detailed responses and, and quick responses as well. So you could see sort of instant engagement there. Um, and then I think day two, I just sat down uh, one by one, sort of an hour with each of the uh, heads of department and said, this is brilliant. Thanks very much for this document. And it just made the conversation flow. I didn't go through that formally line by line, but I just, I picked some things out there and said, oh, wow, I noticed you've done this, or I noticed you want to do this, or I noticed you've got aspirations for, for that. And it just really helped um, build, a, build a quick bond and quick understanding of the, the, the personalities that I was going to be working with. So, um it, it, it worked really well. <clears throat> I've done it a few times uh, now in new roles, and it just it gives me um, a lot more information quickly than, than you would gather over a, a, a sort of social um, or informal chat over a cup of coffee, as an example. And Elise, what was your approach to that with your new team? Um, very, very similar in a way, but primarily learning from Mike because I received the same interview from him when uh, when Mike started in Qatar. <laughs> um, so um, very, very, very similar. Um, I was I've been fortunate, as I said, the, the team that I've got around me. They've been in situ for quite a long time. Um, so the long service here is is incredible. When when they start working with the club, they don't they don't seem to leave, which is a, a which is a credit to the to the environment they've been working in. Um, so yeah, very very much on similar lines. Um, sending out sort of a, a quick initially sort of through LinkedIn, um, quick interviews, just letting them know I'm coming. If they've got any questions or if they'd like to have a quick chat beforehand, please let me know. I had a few, not all, um, and I met some people during sort of the interview process as well. Um, and then when I came on board, very similar as well, sort of understanding more so less about the role more about the people uh, I think that's really important making sure that they understood that you're really inter- interested in in them and what they want to achieve in their roles so I focus primarily on that um, and you know I'm just getting to the stage now um, so it's well beyond my 90 days we're up to sort of six months now but I'm getting to the stage now where we're putting in the you know the structural changes and the role changes that sort of not just suit the business but suit the people and what they want to achieve in those in those positions um which will inevitably um sort of improve sort of member experience so that's that's where we're at and how have you approached that then when you've got a team who've been there a long time and, and at historic club i can imagine maybe change can be hard how is how obviously it's taken you six months to get there shows that you've kind of taken your time with building that trust has that been the main element you feel that that trust you developed with them yeah but building trust and not rushing into anything i mean it's uh it's sort of i, I when i read back what what i'd written as part of my first 90 days i was surprised how many times i went through sort of the importance of taking your time and um and listening um it's, it's been done before. It's probably been tried before. But yes, building trust was really important to taking the time to sort of really understand. Sometimes you can come in and and to be fair, some of the changes that I want to make that I'll be making are the same as I came to the same conclusion within the first five minutes of being here. But I've taken the time to fully understand it in detail. And then you get you get a buy-in from everyone then because you want to talk about these issues, not just with um, the people that occupy the roles, but the people that they interact with, the wider departments. 
um, and and you start to build an understanding then of how everything's going to fit. And we've, you know, I'm doing that across operations and across the sort of the the greenkeeping team as well. And we've made some we've made some you know real good changes with the the greenkeeping team primarily on on bringing um, skill sets in house. So where projects would sort of be completed before by a contractor, we've sort of brought those skills into the team and sort of upskilled what we've got on on the ground. And um, and that again, that improves training now because when people are uh, within the team, they're doing their own um, on-the-job training. They're learning from other qualified people. So that's been a real success. So, Mike, how did your approach to this role vary to other ones you've started? I'm sure there's a lot of similarities, but have there been any things that you've done differently to this one based on what you've learned previously? Uh, like Reese, this was the first private members club uh, really I've worked at in a, in a senior position. So um, very different governance um, structure um, preparation for board meetings is um, very different. Um, but something that um, I enjoy doing and, uh, and I'm, I'm good at just organizing all the board papers, sharing, communicating, and then making sure that the minutes are taken accurately and, and distributed quickly and then before the next board meeting making sure all the action points are followed up on so you're not <laughs> left there looking uh, uh looking uh, looking stupid that you haven't followed up on a few things so that that's been good so there's the committees and then well the board and then the subcommittees that takes actually uh, quite a lot of time but it's very very useful because it just it just helps keep things going in the in the the, the right direction uh so that that's probably been the biggest change and then the other element here is like we said very quickly um, if you make some um, some quick wins and do them well then the lease gets a lot longer they're very very confident for you to just crack on so um, I would say here um, a lot of my sort of peers are saying oh god you're going to go work in a private members club you're, you're going to get stuck you're not going to be able to change anything quite the reverse I would say I've had much much more freedom here than I have in uh um, certainly my last two big corporate clubs that I've worked at because um, we're not just entangled in financial process and, and procedures. It's just crack on, I want it, I'll get it, I need that done. And it can be done in a matter of minutes rather than a matter of months, which is great. And then the, probably the final point that I've really put a lot of emphasis on, and it's a, a delight. I have diligently written board reports for over 20 years and now they're finally getting read. Nah. <laughs> so, because uh, there's there's people that actually care. It's their club. They're very passionate about it, and they want the best for the club. Whereas in the corporate world, you have people on the board of directors. Right? In Qatar, some of the board directors had never been to the club. They they weren't remotely interested. And uh, now they're interested. I make the board report very very newsy because. Uh, the board members are seen as ambassadors of the membership and members will go, come to them and ask them a lot of questions and they're delighted that they know what's going on. So there is a lot of detail, but interesting detail, of things that are happening in and around the society, what we've fixed, what we're about to fix, what we're tackling next, who's joined the team, who's leaving the team, etc., etc. And so they, they feel very well informed so when they go out and play their, their rounds of golf with their mates and their, their peer groups, they, they can answer almost all the questions. So that, those have been the um, the things that I've really focused on and are different from the, the previous roles that I've had. Reese, I can see you're nodding there. So I guess you're mostly in agreement with that. Has that been something that surprised you a bit in terms of, for both of you, how quickly 
things can get done in the private club versus the corporate one? Is that something you maybe weren't expecting or has that been a bit of a surprise? It, it, to be perfectly honest, yes, it's a it's it, it is a surprise. But I'm you know I I got a sense when I came over for the interviews that the club was very progressive and e- and and eager to um, to change uh, and change for the better. Um, <clears throat> the first part was sort of learning how they you know how best to do that, um, and it fell. What's been really fortunate for me is it's fallen into my wheelhouse again. It's very report driven. Um, you you know we write papers for whatever decisions or whatever we're trying to whatever we're trying to do whether it's an information paper a decision paper or a discussion paper we sort of write these diligently um, and I've been overwhelmed with sort of the response because people actually read them as Mike said which is which is a delight because it shows that they care and that's the that's the overwhelming difference is how how involved. How involved they are, and it's their, as Mike said, it's it's their club, so of course they're interested. Um, we did a um, we did a committee meeting last night, um, and we were working on a sort of a junior academy uh, proposal. Um, I took our head professional with me to that, and um, we'd written this paper. and The questions you get back are fantastic because they've read the paper in detail and they really care about what you're trying to do. So it makes it worthwhile. Um, and as a result, as Mike says, that means you can. You can uh, elicit change really quickly because you've instantly got that committee or the board sort of buying into what you're doing, and then that spreads to the club. Um, so you actually can make change, or you can um, elicit change much quicker uh, in some respects than going to a board who, you know, appreciate the finances but might not appreciate the product of what you're trying to deliver and how they relate, um, and which can take a lot longer. So yeah, really surprised but delighted at the same time. Mm. That's kind of ties into something you said earlier, Mike, about getting that repetition of getting the team on board and building their trust. Well, it kind of helps top down to you as well, doesn't it, for both of you, where if you're making these changes and they're being seen positively and you're getting the good feedback, it keeps your motivation going to keep the team going as well. So that seems quite an important side of it as well. With both of you, if you could go back now to the beginning of your 90 days what questions would you have asked that you didn't because they've only come to you later or what would you wish you'd have known which would have helped you approach it differently or would you not have, or did everything go swimming and you wouldn't change how you did anything that's a great question ed <laughs> that's a great question i'm not I'm, I'm personally speaking um i'm not a big believer in hindsight i think we all you know the benefit of hindsight is um you know you can go back and you can change little things i made i'm happy to say i made some small mistakes early on um sort of um in sort of respective committee meetings where um it was a new experience so trying to sort of navigate that environment and how to best get a reaction um so, you know, if I'd gone back now, they would be better because I know mm. how to how, how to sort of navigate those circumstances a lot better than I did uh, six months ago. And I'd like to think in six months' time, I'd be twice as good at it again. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think I would be better from experience, but I don't think I'd have approached it any differently. Okay. Well, let me ask it slightly, phrase it slightly differently. Is there anything, knowing what you knew then, do you feel even then there was stuff that actually you could have uncovered or asked differently. So not so much with the hindsight of knowing what you know now, but even at that time, do you feel there's things that you could have asked 
or you would have done differently without hindsight, if that makes sense. Again, from my perspective, I might, you know, again, if I went back, um, again, one of my, one of the big things for myself is obviously um, visibility, um, small talk. I remember, um, I remember first listening to um, Greg Patterson um, do do a presentation, and Mike will be laughing at this. And I remember because I went straight up to Mike afterwards and said, "I'll never be a general manager because I can't be like this gentleman." <laughs> um, you know, so I, I, that sort of personality set is not my style. I'm a bit more reserved, um, and I think you know. It, you expect sort of, you know, your club leaders to sort of be in those roles. So um, maybe, maybe I could be a bit more, a bit more outgoing, um, a bit more, uh, you know, a bit more uh, having more communication, uh, improving that sort of verbal communication rather than just written. Um, so that, that would probably be, that's per- personal development and professional mm-hmm. development as well as sort of, as well as that. So um, yeah, just a different, different outlook on it. Mm-hmm. And for you, Mike? Well, I'm glad that Reese went first because I've been racking my brains trying to think how to answer this question. Um, I really know, and I've been very comfortable with the, the first six, seven months, um, and um, just so many things cross your path. What, what one thing that surprised me is how much there is to do, and there's so many different facets uh, to to the private club. I think we're kind of spoiled in the in the corporate club world where we tend to have a lot a lot more staff to take care of. Uh, certain things and uh, there's possibly more people to delegate to but other than that um, I've enjoyed the challenge and I think uh, for me um, I was actually fortunate that my uh, second in command went on holiday a week after I uh, joined and that kind of threw me in at the deep end so I had to learn systems and had to uh, dig into things that typically I wouldn't I wouldn't normally have bothered with so that that was really really beneficial for me and like we says, it's just an ongoing, um, ongoing uh, journey that um, certain things you'll tighten up, you'll tighten up with at over 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 time. But um, I've been happy with the balance, and I think if I'd focus more on one side and, um, and and less than another, I'd still be chasing my tail. You know, I, I would love to spend more time out meeting members, and I've done the very best I can. Um, whilst not sacrificing anything back a house and vice versa. So um, I, I'm, I'm comfortable that um, the, 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 the first 90 days and then moving on to the first six months, um, as, as everything has been given due consideration and balance. And there's still a lot more to learn. There's um, articles of associations and bylaws that need to be read in a lot more detail. I've sort of skimmed through them Um and that'll be for some winter reading, but um, I've I've had enough knowledge to kind of yeah, be able to cover myself on that. Mm, nice. Well, gentlemen, I want to be respectful of your time today. So thank you very much for joining me on this. Hopefully it's of help to the listeners and I know it's of help to me because I'm going into a new role soon. So thank you very <laughs> much for this conversation. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And thank Remember, don't read it and don't copy anything we did. Start with a clean sheet, so that's what you have to do. I will. Thank you for joining me on this journey as we dive into the world of club management. I hope you enjoy listening to these conversations as much as I enjoy having them. If you do enjoy and get value from them, I have two small requests. Simply subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast listening app 
and leave a review and share it directly with someone whom you think would benefit from listening. If you're interested in being a guest on this show yourself, then you can reach out to me using the details in the show notes or email me modernclubmanagement at pm.me. In the show notes, you will also find a link to my bi-weekly newsletter that complements these conversations where you can sign up to receive these directly into your inbox so that you never miss out. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing day. This episode is brought to you by Sueda. Sueda is the social learning platform that delivers high quality blended learning with human connection. Sueda is on a mission to revolutionize the digital learning space through restoring the critical element of human engagement that has gotten lost in online learning. The technology provides everything organizations or individuals need on one single platform to achieve meaningful long-term learning success. Using these skills helped me attain a job offer as the director of golf at Golf Digest Top 100 in the World Ranked course after I completed their influence and communication courses. But don't just take my word and the 97% five-star reviews it has had on Trustpilot for it. Try it yourself. All you have to do is email david at suada.com, that's S-U-A-D-A.com, and quote the Modern Club Management Podcast to claim your free enrollment onto the reciprocity course to start your journey to become a more influential and persuasive communicator.